You're listening to Policy Currents, a weekly podcast from RAND. I'm Evan Banks. And I'm Deanna Lee. Every Friday, we bring you new insights from RAND's latest research and commentary. It's March 1st. Yesterday, both President Joe Biden and former President Donald Trump visited the southern U.S. border, making it clear that the migrant crisis will be a leading issue in the 2024 elections. In a new Q&A on RAND.org, RAND's Alina Traeger and Shelley Colbertson break down this complex problem. Here's a brief overview of just some of the topics they discussed. First, who is arriving at the border and why? The volume of migrants arriving without prior authorization is indeed record-breaking. U.S. Customs and Border Protection recorded 3.2 million encounters nationwide in fiscal year 2023, a historic high. More than in the past, migrants arriving at the border today hail from a diversity of countries and consist of more families and children. These people make the dangerous trek for many reasons. Some are fleeing violence or political upheaval. These individuals may be eligible for asylum. Others are looking for jobs and economic opportunities after natural disasters or economic stagnation in their home countries. But because there are few lawful paths into the U.S. for migrants who are motivated by those factors, growing numbers of people seek to enter through the asylum process. But the U.S. asylum system was never intended to handle such large numbers of migrants. Authorities who process and screen new arrivals for credible fear of persecution can't keep up. This means that many migrants are paroled or released into the U.S. with a notice to appear before an immigration judge in the future. These court dates for asylum cases are, on average, more than four years out into the future and even longer for final decisions. In fact, more than 3 million cases were pending before immigration courts near the end of 2023, with the backlog growing by 1 million since 2022. A range of policies have been proposed to address this. For example, the most recent bill that stalled in Congress would have allowed the Department of Homeland Security to turn away migrants if encounters at the border exceed 4,000 a day for a week and mandate such actions at certain higher numbers of encounters. Another measure in the bill aimed at reducing the number of asylum seekers would have raised the bar for people seeking asylum by amending the legal definition of credible fear of persecution. These and other approaches aimed at making it harder for migrants to enter or remain in the U.S. would probably deter or prevent some entries. But recent experience and research also suggest that the effectiveness of such policies may be limited. These policies may also have unintended effects, such as a surge in repeat attempts to cross the border or an increase in human smuggling and illegal border crossings. Importantly, Traeger and Colbertson emphasized that the focus on the border distracts from a wider crisis. America's immigration system is outdated. U.S. immigration laws are no longer adequate to meet the demands of the U.S. labor market, nor do they account for the powerful factors that drive migration. 
Of course, a holistic update to U.S. immigration laws that's based on a better understanding of American immigration needs and the factors that are motivating people to make the dangerous trek to cross the border would be politically challenging, to say the least. But this kind of overhaul is likely necessary to reduce the number of daily arrivals at the border and ease the burden on communities that host migrants. You can find the full Q&A at RAND.org. Moving on to a few other timely commentaries from our experts this week, Jeffrey Martini and John Gentile offered a counterpoint to those who argue that ongoing U.S. airstrikes against Houthi targets in Yemen won't deter future attacks on shipping vessels in the Red Sea. According to Martini and Gentile, the objective is not to persuade the Iranian-backed militants to change their calculus. In fact, limiting their willingness to conduct attacks is more or less impossible. Rather, the objective is to limit the Houthis' ability to conduct effective attacks. U.S. strikes can accomplish this by targeting radar, air defenses, launchers, missiles, and drones, thus depriving the Houthis of their ability to conduct complex attacks that marry drones and crews and ballistic missiles. Degrading the Houthis' military capabilities is a worthy goal, our experts say, as it is key to protecting U.S. personnel in the Middle East, as well as freedom of navigation through the Red Sea, a key choke point in global trade. In another part of the world where tensions are on the rise, the Taiwan Strait, there are growing concerns over the risk of a conflict breaking out, with the potential to escalate quickly. While the United States aims to prevent such a war in the first place, policymakers must prepare for the possibility that U.S. deterrence might fail, potentially leading to a direct clash between the U.S. and China over Taiwan. In a new paper, a group of RAND researchers considered this hypothetical scenario, and how the U.S. can both prevail in a limited war against Beijing and stop such a conflict from spiraling out of control. More specifically, the authors looked at potential theories of victory for the U.S. A theory of victory identifies the conditions under which the enemy will admit defeat and outlines how to shape the conflict in a way that creates those conditions. The two most viable theories of victory in the case of a potential U.S.-China war were denial, that is, persuading the enemy that it's unlikely to achieve its objectives and that further fighting will do no good, and military cost imposition, using military force to persuade the enemy that the costs of continuing the war outweigh the benefits. It's critical to consider these possibilities now, the authors write, because a conflict with a nuclear-armed great power would bring risks that the U.S. has not faced since the Cold War. Writing for the Los Angeles Times, Rand's George Zoe assessed the dire rental market in L.A., which might be about to get even worse. That's because the last of the city's pandemic-era renter protections just expired. This leaves owners of rent-stabilized apartments, which make up 70% of rental units, free to raise rents. And the last chunk of any unpaid back rent is also now due. With more than half of L.A. residents renting and an estimated 90,000 households with outstanding rent debt, the repeal of these measures could lead to a spike in evictions and homelessness. 
To address this, the city aims to aggressively expand the availability of legal counsel for residents facing eviction. While it's crucial that tenants be protected from unlawful evictions, Zoe says, this approach could have unintended consequences. Quote, Paying a fleet of public defenders to contest and delay every attempt at eviction might add fuel to the fire while draining the resources of the city and landlords alike. A drawn-out power struggle between the city and landlords would create a market where only property owners able to weather and adapt to renter protections, most likely large corporations, stay in the market. Corporations, in fact, already own more than 40% of the city's rental units. This figure could grow if smaller landlords are forced to sell out to corporate owners or take units off the market. This is potentially a huge problem in a city that's already among the worst in the nation when it comes to housing production. Fortunately, LA doesn't have to go straight to the most costly and most adversarial policy to reduce evictions and prevent homelessness. One alternative approach is to require landlords seeking an eviction to participate in a 30-day mediation period aimed at settling disagreements out of court without an eviction. When a similar program was implemented in Philadelphia, more than 70% of disputes successfully reached an agreement outside of court. It's unclear what will happen next. But the steps that Los Angeles takes to address this impending crisis are critical. Without thoughtful policy action, Angelinos could face a new status quo, Zoe says. Quote, a stricter, even pricier rental market under the growing watch of aggravated landlords and faceless corporations. That's it for this week's episode. If you'd like to learn more about what we discussed today, check out the show notes at rand.org slash podcast. We'll see you next week. Rand is a nonprofit institution that helps improve policy and decision making through research and analysis.